We welcome each of you to this hour of worship. Glad that you were able to be here. About half of y'all were not here last Sunday, so welcome back. <clears throat> Must have been a vacation week. But anyway, it is good to see all of you here. And, and uh, if you're visiting with us, uh, it's always good to have visitors here. Hope that you'll uh, come back and worship with us on many future occasions. There's a lot going on here for uh, all ages. And uh, there's something certainly for you here. And so we invite you to be a part of what's going on here. The young people returning from the mission trip should be here by late afternoon anyway as they make their way back up the highway from uh, Florida coastline. So remember these folks today in your prayers. Um, Archaeology has three more days. That's the children's music camp program. Uh, some of you have asked about the performance on Wednesday night and you are welcome to come to the performance at 6 o'clock. However, you're also welcome to leave at 6.30 before the food starts being served because <laughs> we had to, have, uh, had to have the caterer notified ahead of time. So those that let us know last week that they would be here for the dinner theater will get to share the dinner. But we certainly don't want to exclude anyone from the chance to see uh, these children uh, in, in their per performance. So uh, we appreciate all that Jessica has been doing with the, the children here these uh, last five days and the next three as well. It is good to, to have some good friends here for the second week in a row from my previous congregation, different, different crowd this time. Uh, Steve and Libby Evett and Joan Naron are sitting here near the front. Uh, delighted to have these folks here. Uh, Steve comes over pretty often and we go and and we always try to eat a meal without causing too much embarrassment to ourselves or to our wives. It's, what, it's when Steve and I get together. But uh, anyway, good to see you folks here today. Glad to have you all here. Um, other announcements are there in your bulletin as you have a chance to look at them. Hope that you will be guided by those things, uh, by those announcements. Now let us uh, worship God.
Now let us affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please. This time we'd like to invite the children to come forward to join Margie Crowley for a few moments of sharing. Reverend Holt is going to be preaching on storms, and since I was a science teacher, I thought I would talk about the wind today. How many of you like to fly a kite? Have you ever flown a kite? Have you ever seen a kite up in the sky? Yes? I like to see them when they're just flying up there so high. What keeps that kite up in the sky? Wind, exactly right. Have you ever seen the wind? No. Why? Because it's invisible. Say that out loud. Because it's invisible. That's exactly right, Sarah Catherine. It's invisible. Well, how do you know it's there if you can't see it? Because you can feel it and you can see it by the wind blowing on the trees and making the leaves fall. She just took my sermon, Reverend Hope. All right, you can hear it. Have you ever lay in bed at night and there was a storm going on and you can hear the rustling of the trees outside? You can hear that, can't you? Okay, and she says that you can feel it. I want you to blow on the back of your hand like that. Can you feel that? Did you see it? Look again, see if you can see it. See any wind? No, but you can feel it. You can feel it. That's it. So we can hear it. We, we can't see it, but we can hear it. You can't see it, but you can feel it. And there's one more thing that wind does. You can see it moving things around. Have you ever been outside on a windy day and you see leaves blowing on the ground? Or you can see paper being blown around or trash or something. Have you ever been outside and a man's wearing a hat and the wind blows his hat off? Have you ever seen that? You see that in cartoons sometimes, don't you? Where the wind just blows a man's hat off. You can't see it, but you see it move something. I was going to use a little experiment here and let's see. Sarah Catherine, hold that please for a moment. Can you come Turn this on. Let's see if we can hear the wind. 
Can you hear it? Can you see it? Yes. You can see the wind? I can't, no. You can't see it, but you can hear it. Let's see if you can feel it. Can you feel it? Yeah. You can feel it? Does it feel good? And we said that it moved things around. Okay? Let's see. Hold out your hand. And I'm going to put a little piece of cotton in your hand. We're going to make a little mess here. See if the wind's gonna blow it. Hold out your hand so I can see if it can. Oh, look at that. Look at that. It blew it away, didn't it? Yeah. So we said we know the wind is there because of three things. We can hear it, we can feel it, feel it, and we can see it. Move something. Move something. That's exactly right. Well, you know, God is just like that. Have you ever seen God? Do you know that there is a God? Yeah. How do we know that there's a God? You believe in him because, you know what? You can hear God. And let me explain how you can hear God. Have you ever broken something of your mother's and she comes in and says, Did you do that? And the first thing you want to say is what? You want to say, I didn't do that. But you know what? You can hear God sort of whispering in your ear and speaking to your heart, and he's saying that you should say what? Yes, I did it. Yes, I did it. That way your mother knows that she can believe you, that you're an honest person. And that's so important. If she can trust you, oh. You may still have to do a little time out for breaking something, but more importantly, she knows that she can depend on you and trust you that you're going to tell her the truth. And that's because you can hear God speaking in your ear and speaking to your heart and telling you to do the right thing. And we said that you could feel God. Have you ever been inside at night and there's a bad storm and you hear that rain and you hear the thunder and you hear the lightning and maybe the lights go out? Do you ever get scared? Who do you want to be near when you're scared? Mommy and Daddy. Yeah. Mommy and Daddy. And all Mom and Daddy have to do is just come and get close to you and say, it's all right. They may hold your hand. They may just, they may just sit beside you and... All of a sudden, everything's okay, isn't it? And you're not only feeling the love from mom and daddy. Who are you feeling the love from? God. He doesn't really have to be there. You don't have to see him. But you can feel that love coming through because you just feel real safe, don't you? And then we said that the wind moves things. And God moves people. He moves Reverend Holt to preach. He moves these people to sing. He moves people to be ushers. He moves some of us to be Sunday school teachers, acolytes. He moves all these people to come to church and hear about God. We don't have to see God, but we're all here because we what? Believe in God. Believe in God. That's exactly right. After we have our prayer, I'm going to give you two girls a kite, and maybe somebody at home, mama or daddy, probably daddy, will help you 
fly this kite on a very windy day. And when you're out there flying that kite, not only do I want you to have fun with that, I want you to think about what we said, how a kite being blown by the wind is like God. There are three good ways that we know that God is with us. All right, let's bow your heads and repeat after me, please. Dear God, thank you for the wind, which is great, but thank you more for God, who is greater. Amen. Just one minute, Ralph. When you were teaching Ralph in science, did you talk with him about telling the truth? <laughs> I he did. Yes, he was about to leave and not want to not hear me say that. I noticed he came in because he thought you were going to say something about him. I think. Here now, our Old Testament reading from Second Kings chapter four, verses thirty-two through forty-four. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay upon the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hand. As he stretched himself out upon him, the boy's body grew warm. Elijah turned away and walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out upon him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite, and he did. And when she came in, she, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, and bowed to the ground, and then she took her son and went out. Elijah returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. While the company of the prophets was meeting with him, he said to his servant, Put on the large pot and cook some stew for these men. One of them went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine. He gathered some of its gourds and filled the fold of his cloak. When he returned, he cut them up into, uh, into the pot of stew, though no one knew what they were. The stew was poured out for the men, but as they began to eat it, they cried out, O man of God, there is death in the pot, and they would not eat it. Elisha said, Get some flour. He put it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people and eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. A man came from Baal Shalisha, bringing the man of God 20 loaves of barley bread, baked from the first uh, ripe grain, along with some heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. 
How can I set this before a hundred men, his servants asked. But Elijah answered, Give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says, they will eat and have some left over. And then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over, according to the word of the Lord. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is from Psalm 145, recorded on page 857. I invite you to stand as you're able and share this passage with me responsively. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. His compassion is over all his creation. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord. And your faithful ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. And tell of your power. To make known to all people your mighty deeds. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And your dominion endures without all generations. The Lord upholds all who are falling. And raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look upon look to you. And you give them their food and do You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. All the Lord's ways are just. The Lord is near to all who call. To all who call upon the Lord in truth. The Lord fulfills the desire of all the faithful. And hears their cry and saves them. All who love the Lord, the Lord preserves. All who wait the Lord destroys. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. Let all Our epistle lesson is from Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us 
To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Here ends the lesson. Let us join our hearts together for time in prayer. 
Our hearts are inspired when we read words of great men like Elisha, who walked so closely with you, Lord, that his life seemed to have a power about it that others didn't have. His words spoke words of comfort and challenge to the people in that day, even as Jesus' words did in that day and speaks to us as we read them today also. As we read those challenging words, we pray that you would draw near to us and that we would draw near to you, that there would be something in the quality of our lives that so inspires people as Elijah's did, as Paul's did, as those who walked with Jesus did. It is said of the early disciples that they turned the world upside down. We pray that you would help us as we draw near to you, to draw our strength from you and to become Christ-like in our hearts so that we can turn our world right side up. We are thankful for your presence with us today. We are grateful for your loving forgiveness of us, for we come, first of all, to acknowledge that we are people who have preferred our own way to yours, who have turned after our own thoughts this week rather than your best ways. And so we ask for forgiveness as we would also ask for strength to overcome and to do better in the future. Cause us to feel drawn into your presence today. Cause us to feel after this time together in worship that that we've been with Jesus in the boat on the rough sea and, and heard Jesus speak to the wind and the storm to be still. Cause us to feel that we've been with you, O Lord, when we venture out alone and wonder where you are and we look and you come to us walking on top of the water in the middle of that storm to assure us of your love and your presence and your alongsideness with us that we might not be alone. Cause us to feel in this time that we're together that we have been in the presence of Jesus and that we would be like the disciples who would wonder, who is this man that even the wind and the waves and the storm obey his voice? Who is this one who can walk on water? Thank you, Lord, that you walk with us and you keep our heads up when the water rises high upon our chest and we find in you the strength to overcome time and again. Lord, we are mindful this day of members of our families and friends who are going through various kinds of struggles we're most concerned about people who have been looking for jobs for months and months and their emotions are beginning to take a toll or to feel, feel that stress of time without work. And we read in our papers, Lord, of how violence is on the increase because of these economic times. We pray for these, our friends, in special times of need that they might look to you and 
find guidance and strength and that we know that you will weather that storm with us as well. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Did y'all ever sing that before I came here? It's their fault. Those people at Covenant, that was their favorite song. That first Sunday I was there, I said, where did you find that? It's in the hymn book. You're kidding. And we had a service over there where uh, the early service, you could call out the, uh, your hymn that you wanted to sing, like the old Sunday night Vesper service. And the, the children would call that one out nearly every week, just about. it. So I finally learned it. And y'all did very well on that this time, too. From uh, John's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, uh, here now our Gospel lesson. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and the great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and all the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the, water, the waters grew rough. When they had rowed three or three and a half miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were terrified. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. Here ends the lesson. Some people tend to see things as contradictions that really aren't. Often it's a, a question of balance. For instance, when my niece Anna was three years old, her parents had to repeatedly tell her to let her food cool off just a little bit before she tried to eat it. And so she looked at her uncle Arthur like he was crazy when I told her that she ought to eat her food while it was still good and hot. 
The look on her face seemed to say, this does not compute. Finally, she thought about it in a minute and she said, my food will be better if it'll cool off just a little bit. That balance between hot and cold, I guess. In Galatians 5, Paul presents us with an apparent contradiction. In verse 2, he admonishes each of us to carry each other's burdens. And in this way you fulfill the law of Christ, he says. And then three verses later, he says, each one of you should carry his own load. Well, Paul, make up your mind. How can we carry our own load and carry each other's burdens at the same time? Well, a mature mind begins to understand, understand that both of these things are true and that life is best when we learn to balance things like work and play, laughter and seriousness, time alone with time with others. Even in taking care of each other, we are to do so in ways that encourages each of us to be self-sufficient and independent. In the gospel narrative, there are two very similar stories about Jesus on a lake with the disciples. But Jesus does not act consistently in both stories. They have two different outcomes. In the first story we encounter in the gospel reading, Jesus falls asleep in the boat and he has to be awakened in order to deal with some very frightened disciples who feel like they're about to die in a storm. On that occasion, Jesus spoke to the storm, commanding the wind to stop blowing and the rain to stop falling. And the disciples were left in amazement and wonder, who is this guy that even nature obeys him? In the second story, on the lake. It has the same basic format in, in a, uh, whether it comes from the synoptic tradition in Matthew and Mark or from John. It follows the same pattern. First, there was this fantastic picnic on a hillside where a huge multitude was, was fed by Jesus using five loaves of bread and two fish, leaving the little boy in Sunday school to say he liked the story about where the disciples loafed and fished then the disciples leave without Jesus in a boat. Same pattern wherever you read it. After rowing out several miles, the disciples encountered a very strong wind and a very choppy sea. This time, Jesus, who was still back upon the shore, noticed that his friends were in trouble and he goes out to be with them in the midst of the storm. He just walked out on the water to join his friends. At first, they didn't recognize Jesus and thought perhaps they were seeing a ghost. As I've said before, funny thing about ghosts, we say we don't believe in them, and then they show up and scare the daylights out of us. But this time, Jesus does not calm the wind and the sea. Instead, he calms the disciples. It's just me, he tells them, adding, don't be afraid. Matthew is the only one of the four gospel writers to tell us a little bit more details of the story, that part about Peter challenging Jesus. 
If that's really you out there, Lord, command me to come out there to you on the water. Jesus so ordered Peter, and Peter obediently stepped out of the boat and actually walks over to Jesus. But somewhere along the way, Peter focused his attention on the wind and the waves, and he began to sink. Crying out to Jesus to save him from drowning, Peter is lifted up by the strong arm of Jesus, and together they walk hand in hand back to the boat. In this story, Jesus spoke to his disciples and stilled their fears, but he did nothing to stop the storm. Together, these two tales of the sea give us a balanced picture of what we can expect in our lives of Christian discipleship. In both of these stories, one of the writers, or or in some cases two or three of them, tell us that the disciples were following Jesus' orders when they got into trouble on uh, on the sea. Our usual usual reaction when we run into problems is to think we must have done something to make God mad, you know. Perhaps we've stepped out of God's will. And we know we do that often enough as it is. But this story seems to tell us that sometimes when you are following God's commands, you will still find yourselves in over your heads in trouble. Storms of life are sometimes indications that you're right where you need to be and where God wants you to be. In the longer version of our baptism and confirmation ritual that we use, we remind people that following Jesus means that we are deciding to turn away from the spiritual forces of wickedness and rejecting the evil powers of this world. So it shouldn't be too surprising to us that when we decide to go in Jesus' direction, those evil spiritual forces will work more ferociously than ever before against us. Those forces tried and eventually succeeded in killing Jesus. But thanks be unto God, God even used that defeat to bring Jesus' victory over death for us. Those evil forces waged war on the disciples too. It is a good thing to remember that trouble might not mean that you're out of God's will. It just might mean that you're right on target. Storms of life come our way other times too, just in the natural flow of daily life. Sometimes a storm comes to us And it's not all that abnormal. It's just what it means to be a human being. Stuff does happen. Sometimes there's no rhyme or reason to the storm. It just comes across our path. Well, whether it is just a normal part of life or the result of going in God's direction, the two storm stories assure us that we can expect one of two responses from God. He will come to us in the storm, and he will either calm the storm, or he will calm his child. I blame Andy Watson for getting me to think about this. He uh, sang a song last year at the early service, written by Scott 
Crepain, I believe is how you say the man's name. The songwriter was obviously reflecting on these two different stories in the gospel when he wrote these words. Sometimes he calms the storm with a whispered, peace be still. He can settle any sea, but it doesn't mean that he will. Sometimes he holds us close and lets the wind and waves go wild. Sometimes he calms the storm, and other times he calms his child. When the storms come our way, Jesus comes to us and either says, Storm, be still, or else he will say, My child, be at peace. I am here with you. Now, I've experienced both of these actions of God in my lifetime, particularly in my work. And I recognize that my work is maybe a little different than yours, but it will work in your work as well. In one of my first appointments, there was a war going on within one of the churches. Now, we got two district superintendents here today, and they knew very well our friend Chad Davis, who said, Arthur, there's a little problem over at one of the churches I'm sending it to, sending you to. That was the biggest understatement ever said to me by a district superintendent in all of my years. There was a war going on at one of those churches. You could tell who was on which side of that war when you saw people on Sunday mornings. You had the Yankees and the Confederates. They just split up on different sides of the, of the sanctuary. We could be talking about something as tame as whether or not we wanted to observe Mother's Day. And that congregation would be split 50-50 over the issue, right down the middle. My predecessor there had been aligned with one of the groups. And that had cost him um, some of his effectiveness. And so Chad told me, whatever I did, don't join a side. He advised me to stand in the middle and to speak to the storm, be still. I did what he said, and in time, Jesus did still that storm. Oh, I let them fight on for months, and they both got mad at me for not stopping it. But then I would go see them, and I'd put Band-Aids on their wounds and tell them how much I loved them. And as time passed, the scars began to heal I went back down there for homecoming a couple of years ago, and I couldn't believe who was sitting by who in that sanctuary, and who was hugging who, and who sat by who at the dinner after a homecoming. The scars had healed. The wounds had been forgotten. Jesus stilled that storm. I think of another storm that, that was at another church, and that storm was at least partly my fault, part of my creation. I was young and enthusiastic, and I had some big dreams for that church. And so I launched out into the deep and made some plans. And pretty soon I found myself in the boat by myself in the middle of the storm. I'd been there only three months, but it looked like in nine more months, I'd be packing and leaving that community. It was that bad. Now, I've always made it a policy to call my district superintendent when things like that happen. 
because I feel like it's better for him or her to hear it from me than from you. And so, uh, and so I did that on that occasion. And when I did, my district superintendent spoke to my heart on behalf of the Lord. Here's what he said. Arthur, you need to go off by yourself and win the war that is waging on your insides and then come back and you'll be able to wage the war that's going on around you. Some of the wisest words I've ever been given. It was as if Jesus had come to me and said, peace, be still. Don't be afraid. I'm with you and the storm's going to keep going, but I'm with you. I followed my superintendent's good advice and in my time alone, several very good things began to happen on my insides. First of all, I was able to see why they were upset. I didn't agree with them, but I could understand why they might have misunderstood me in my first three months in the direction I wanted to see the church go in. Secondly, I began to see just how many people were really on my side. I wasn't alone. They were excited about some things I had proposed. And I began to watch in amazement as those church members went to my opponents to assure them that Jesus was with us in the storm and we just had to ride it out. As I continued waging the war on the inside, I never really had to do much fighting of the war on the outside. It just passed. Jesus remained at our side during that storm until things calmed down. I not only survived that rough sea, but I enjoyed a number of very happy years of ministry there. In spite of the fact that the undercurring, underlying issues never really went away. When the bishop surprised us all by moving me with very little advance warning one year, one of those members who had been the most upset with me during my first three months there came to me and said, how can you possibly leave us now? I said, I don't think I have any choice. It's the way we work. Sometimes Jesus calms the storm. Sometimes he just speaks to the child, his child, and calms his child. Well, those are two stories from my life, and I'm sure you'd have some similar stories in your life. Some of you have had times when you faced uh, an illness and you prayed, and Jesus came and calmed that illness storm by removing the illness from you. Others of you have faced times of sickness or other situations that are just normal to human existence. And Jesus came to you in the midst of the storm and said, it's not going away, but I will be with you in this storm. The storm didn't go away, but the presence of Jesus with you made the storm survivable. You can be sure always that when troubles come your way, Jesus will come to you and he will either calm the storm or he will calm his child. Sometimes he calms the storm where the whispered peace be still. He can settle any sea, but it doesn't mean that he will. Sometimes he holds us close and lets the wind and waves go wild.
Sometimes he calms the storm, and other times he calms his child. Amen.